and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears with truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Jody Bailey. And we are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to connect with you online or on social media. Just Google our names. Have you ever walked into a room full of strangers and felt instantly insecure? Or maybe you held back in a relationship for fear the person would hurt, abandon, or reject you. Past hurts, especially those experienced during childhood when our sense of self is developing, they can cause all sorts of inner lies to form. Expecting rejection and maybe even assuming rejection when there isn't any, we begin to enter relationships with our running shoes on, ready to bail at first sign of conflict. I can totally relate to that part about having your running shoes on because I spent the bulk of my life doing exactly that. They were laced up tight, ready to go. And it wasn't until I was older that I realized it was because of my childhood, exactly like you said. I grew up with a mom who was fun. She was funny. She was focused on Jesus, taught me to love him. But when I was 10 and my brother was, and my brother was seven, she took off and left. We didn't see her for a year. Uh, there was a lot of broken promises and times she didn't show up when she was supposed to. When we eventually did start going back to see her, everything was fine for a while. But then when I was 16... Uh, she would do things like take my brother to the movies and leave me at her house or take him shopping and leave me at her house. And she always said it was so I could hang out with my friends, but she really just didn't want me along. So I decided not to not to go anymore. I, w- I just wouldn't go. I decided I, I met with her. I said, I'll stay home. Uh, you can be with, with my brother. That's fine. And so my brother, unfortunately, saw that as me choosing my dad over over my mom. And so he, on the other hand, chose uh, my mom over my dad, trying to even things out, I guess. And so we were, it caused a division in my family that still exists today between me and my brother and my dad and my brother. Um, And it really, it kind of gave me this sense of, you know, you're not wanted. Don't want you around. That had to create some really deep wounds. I didn't realize at first how deep and because and, at the same time, I had a, a friend who, who took off and left and just for no reason. One day she was my friend, one day she wasn't. And that kind of added to it. But it created this second choice, second best, not good enough people pleaser in me. And I began to expect everyone to leave. So at the first sign of trouble, I would be the one out the door. If there was an argument, I was out the door. My poor husband, I spent the first year of our marriage just assuming I would come home from work one day and he would be gone. Because why not? You know, If your mother leaves you, surely they're the ones that are supposed to take care of you and look after you and nurture you. And if they can leave, then why would anyone else stay? And so later in in my own hurt and my pain, I kind of kept her away and, and probably did my own part to hurt her as well, not meaning to, just in that self-protective wall that you build around yourself. So how did God help you begin to heal? Because I know now you actually have some pretty strong relationships. So how did he help you overcome your fear of rejection enough to let people in? God actually about one of the things that happened is I forgave my mother early on, but forgiveness does not always equate to healing. And so one of the things God did about three years ago 
was uh, he had me, I was in a Bible study and he helped me to understand that I had never grieved what I had lost because, it, you know, death can be a physical death or it can be the death of a relationship. And so I had never gone through and really felt that pain and that grief because I had built that wall so tight, I didn't want to hurt anymore. So he had me one Sunday afternoon uh, when I was home alone, he had me go through and just write down everything I had lost. And, and in my anger, it was everything she stole from me. And, it, and you know, buying your first nail polish, talking about boys and buying prom dresses. And I wrote the list and there was probably a hundred things. on. It was like four pages long. And I just cried and cried over it for about two hours and just hurt like I had not let myself hurt before. I had always packed it inside, which led me to live for years with some incredible anxiety. Um, wouldn't even leave my house for three months. But, but in that healing, God took me back through and he said, okay, now we've cried it out. Let's look at where I provided. And he took me through each and every one of those things on the list. And and who took you prom dress shopping? Who who had Sunday dinners with you? Who bought you your first tube of lipstick? Who taught you about boys? And each of those spots was filled. And so he had gone ahead of me and already planned and taken care of me and made sure I had what I needed, that, that I was never... My mother didn't see me, but all these other women saw me. And I'm blessed to have dozens of moms. (laughs) That's beautiful. So you were never alone or forgotten, even if it even if it felt like that. I'm reminded of the verse that says God places the lonely in families. And it makes me think of the interconnected family of God once we turn to Christ for salvation. And I'm also your story, it reminded me of Leah a woman from the Old Testament. Scripture tells us she was her father's oldest daughter, which in that culture meant she was supposed to marry first, only that is not what happened. Instead, her sister immediately captured Jacob's attention. So that's the man who later married both women. And he loved Rachel, Leah's sister, so much, in fact, that he was willing to work for years, enduring hot days and cold nights for her hand. Well, so eventually his seven years of manual labor ended. And Rachel's father, through this huge party, invited everyone, which basically means massive amounts of people. And then when it was time for Jacob to consummate the marriage, Laban basically tricked Jacob into sleeping with Leah. And he woke up the next morning and he looks and there's Leah, not Rachel. And he was really upset. He, I just picture him running out of the tent in search of Laban. And then when he found him, he said, what is this you have done to me? I cannot imagine having my husband say that about me. What is this you've done to me? And then rather than coming to her defense, rather than attempting to right the painful wrong that he had created, Laban used the situation to his favor, telling Jacob that he would give him Rachel too, his first choice, provided he worked another seven years. And Jacob agreed, proving just how much he loved Rachel and how completely unsatisfied he was with Leah. But, you know, in the physical, it looks like Leah was unloved. Um, but God saw her. If you if you keep reading in the story, and, and we're in Genesis 29, in 31 and 32, it says that the Lord saw Leah was not loved. He saw her. He enabled her to conceive. But Rachel, the loved in the natural, remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery 
surely my husband will love me now. I can't imagine the pain that makes you name your child that. But then she has another son and she names him Simeon, which means because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. She has another son named him Levi and says, now at last my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So she's had three sons now and then a fourth Uh, She says, this time I will praise the Lord. All along, she's seen the Lord loves her. Now she gives him praise. She names that son Judah. And it's very interesting that Judah becomes, you know, he is the ancestor of King David, who was Israel's greatest king, um, who is the ancestor of Jesus Christ, who is the greatest love. So from Leah, the the wife who was in the the natural, (laughs) unloved, we get the most spiritual and holy love and perfect love that was ever conceived. And I love both with your story and then what I see played out in Leah's story. We have to sometimes grieve what we don't have. Because if we don't, we're always chasing for that hole that may never get filled. Jacob may probably was never going to love Leah like she needed. And you can see that as, as she names her sons. The first three are, maybe now my husband will love me. And then she hits the fourth and is like, okay, I'm just going to praise God. You know, she, it, it, you have to wonder if she finally accepted the love of God. And I think that's where our healing really comes is when we start to get those holes met by Jesus and we start to, to change our narrative, right? It's, it's no longer, I am not loved. It's, I am deeply loved. It's not, I am, it's, I'm not forsaken. I'm not abandoned. I am seen and I am pursued. And, you know, one of the things that did that for me was Psalm 139, which is God, uh, verse 16 says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And it really, it made me really think, it struck me that God knew who my mother would be. And he loved me so much um, that he let me still be born. He loved her so much. He let me be born to her. Um, He loved me so much that he gave me all he had already planned, written down all my days, which is an author is really cool. Um, But he had already made a plan for me knowing what was going to happen. He had already laid out a way for me to feel his love through other people uh, and to feel his love directly before I was ever even born. And so that is where a lot of the healing came for me is knowing I was never unseen and I was never unloved. I know for me too, I've had people in my life who were supposed to love me and didn't. And I initially internalized that. And a big piece of healing for me was God helped me see it from his perspective. And I began to see their hurt and their brokenness. And so their rejection was not a statement of me. It was an example of their own brokenness, their own inability to love as God desires. And I see that like we follow Jacob's story throughout scripture. We can read all the patriarchs in Genesis. And that was one messed up, manipulative, hurtful, dysfunctional family. And unfortunately, Leah was hurt because of their dysfunction. Yes, she said, I tell my daughter a lot, kicked dogs bite. And so Leah is is from a generation of, of generations and generations of, you know, they lied, they manipulated, they cheated. She got caught up in that and it was not her fault. It was not because her sister was better, you know, or she was the second choice. It had nothing to do with her. She was the victim of generations of pain passed on and on. And we have to begin, we have to learn 
not to own other people's sin, their, their opinion, their perspective, and their poor behavior. What I mean, when we own it, it's then we take responsibility for it. We take the blame for it. And we're not to do that. That's, that's on them. And we have to learn to separate that and to find our love and our identity in Christ. I think one of the things that's important is realizing that their walk with God is their walk in their life with or without God, if they so choose. And our walk is completely different from theirs. There's, I love Ephesians 1 when I'm really hurting. Or if something, if I feel like if old lies are trying to crop up, I love just sitting and reading through that entire chapter. And it really reminds me that I am chosen and adored in Christ. And verses four and five, you know, that you bring that up. He says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. And what what strikes me there is that he adopts us. He loves us. It's all from the beginning of the world that we are to be his children and we're to be loved by him. And not only that, but I love that it ends with his pleasure and his will. We, we are, when we are his children, we are his pleasure. He delights in us, which I think we forget that sometimes. That is beautiful. God delights in us. If we could just say that over ourselves. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Jody. That was so powerful. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. I hope our conversation deepened your understanding of the God who sees and who sees you when you're hurting and who cares. And I hope you begin to anchor yourself in his love. If you haven't already done so, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode and make sure to share it on social media. We would be super encouraged if you would rate it as well. That helps others to find it. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Want to learn more about God and His will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.